Amen. Good to see everyone here today. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, I will be reading out of the fourth chapter, verse 16, 17, and 18 of 2 Corinthians. We had a powerful service in the early service on the north side. The presence of the Lord just moved in uh, before I ever had an opportunity to preach, and uh, the altar call was made before the preacher could even uh, get in the pulpit. God, God just moved in a powerful way on the north side today, and I feel that same presence in this house right now. Amen. God is here, and He does desire to do a work among us. Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. Let's read out of 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 16 through 18. For which cause, the Bible says, we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh. Everybody say, worketh worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. They are eternal. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. God bless you. You may be seated. I will be reading several verses of Scripture today. Uh, please do not fault faith for not keeping up with me as quickly as probably she normally would, but I did not uh, share my verses with her because of the length of the service on the north side. So I, I hung around in the presence of the Lord and Dance in His presence, dance in... I was doing all of that and absolutely forgot that I needed to send her um, verses. So, faith, just bear with me today. I, I know I can be a frustration at times. For our light afflictions, our light afflictions are but for a moment. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, they may only be temporary. They may only be temporary. Amen. Uh, do you like word games? Who like? Well, I knew Karen and, and Kathy. Yes. Anybody else besides Gordon GNA like words? DNA. Excuse me. Anybody? Let me see your. Let me see your hands. Word games. Word games are interesting to me. Lisa and Marley uh, of late. I guess uh, I don't know. Maybe the last several months they started playing. Uh, word games on their phones, and every day or every day or two, I'll hear one of them say to the other one, uh, "Did you complete your your words today? Did you get all the words today?" And I'm like, "Oh, I hope they're having fun. They're they're trying to figure out all of these words. They they I guess get a few letters, and they have so many words they have to come up with, and and so they like they like word games, and they're playing it often on their phone. I travel a lot, so I see people." 
carrying little books, small books with them on the airplane or sitting down in a coffee shop. And, and it's always these word search games and something that has to do with uh, finding a word and, and they're marking in books. And I see children playing word games and adults playing word games and, and I get all of that. I, I love words. I'm into words. I'm interested in words. Um, I've been writing another book and trying to rearrange words and words are, are interesting to me. So when I, I grew up, when I grew up, it seemed like every newspaper and every magazine that you would pick up had a crossword puzzle in, in that, somewhere in the newspaper or the magazine. Now, I have to admit to you, I have, uh, I have issues, and one of the issues that I have is I cannot, and I've, I've shared this before, I cannot pick up a magazine, a book, a uh, newspaper, whatever it may be, I cannot pick it up without reading from the first page all the way to the end. I, I can't jump around. My dad, he read the newspaper every day uh, that I can remember being home. Even if it was midnight, he would have the newspaper out. He read the newspaper every day. And he would jump around, read uh, particular articles, specific things in it, and there were sections there that he wanted to go. I know people that they would follow the sports or they were wondering about a lifestyle, various things. I, I have this issue that it doesn't matter what I pick up. I need to read every word that is there. So things that are not interesting, things that you would have no desire, I have to read that or I go crazy. I, I cannot just jump around and read. I have to go from front to back. I read the forwards. I read in books the copyright. I read the years. I promise you that's me. I see what year. I, I, I don't know why it's like that, but I'm wired that way. And I read through all of the, uh, the introductions and things. And so that's the way I operate. Well, you can only imagine what happens to me when I sit down in an airplane and I pick up a magazine and I happen to get to the crossword puzzle and half of it is done. Can I see the hands of those that, that might bother you or am I the only one in the building? Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it bothers me when half of the crossword puzzle is done. And, and I just, I, I break out in hives, I start shaking, and I'm thinking, who in their right mind would attempt this and not finish this, and then not just take the magazine with them, but they leave it here, and it's not finished. And I'm so frustrated by that, I would, if, if that happened to me, wherever, I would, one of two things would happen. I would either have to stay on the airplane and go to the next destination and miss wherever I was supposed to be, or I would be in a meeting uh, and, and my mind would be going 100 miles an hour thinking about where did that plane go, where's that magazine right now, who's reading it right now. I wonder if they're finishing the crossword puzzle because that's just the way I'm wired. Crossword puzzles, people are dealing all the time in words and, and they're interesting to me. I posted a few days ago on our private Facebook page about a book that I'm, uh, I'm soon to release and I put a survey in there for feedback, anybody that wanted to give me some feedback as we are uh, finishing this up. But words are, words are interesting to me. Now, there, there's one thing that really intrigues me and it's this, people that love Scrabble. I mean... Man, these folks are addicts. I mean, they, they are word addicts. They, they are so 
addicted to the game. I went to a graduation not too awfully long ago, like an 18-year-old kid. He's graduating from high school. You're going there to celebrate the graduate. When I get there, when I get there, I notice that there's a little passel of women sitting at a table by themselves with their Scrabble game out. And I'm thinking, but I can't, isn't this a graduation party? Are, are we supposed to be eating cake and ice cream and, and, and supporting one that finally has made it through? And, and here are these little ladies playing Scrabble. And I asked someone, I said, who, who, who are those people? <laughs> and they said, oh, that's so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm like, well, they're, they're playing Scrabble. Yes, they do that everywhere they go. They take their game with them and they play Scrabble. People love words. Say words. Words and, and words are interesting to me because they hold uh, different meanings for individuals, but no matter how we individually interpret them, they have specific meanings depending on the context in which they are used. So you use a word in a certain context and it means one thing, you use it in another context, it can mean something else. I want to mention a few words to you and as I mention them, you just uh, indulge me for a few moments and define them as you would define them in your own life, okay? You don't have to scream out and give me the definition. You just define what the word means to you as I mention these few words. So when the word appointed comes up, what definition do you arrive at? Purpose. Endure. Assured, delivered, accepted, approved, established, partaker, renewed. These are great words. These, the, I love these words. See what kind of attention I have? That you love words. I can tell. Those are great words. And here's what I want you to do. As I go into some verses today, I want you to look for those words. And as if, if somehow you can't look for them, at least listen for them. Listen for the words that I just gave you. Here's, here's a tragic mistake that some people make. And I think we all would fall into that category from time to time. We make, willingly or not, we make a tragic mistake when we apply the wrong definition to a word. So, it's a word that we should know, but somehow we have applied the wrong definition to the word. And say, well, I would never do that. I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, the last disagreement you had with someone, that you had no intention for it to turn out like it turned out. You said something, they responded in a certain way, and then all of a sudden, hours later, days later, weeks later, months later, something has been festering, and, and it's not getting better, and you decide, I need to get to the bottom of this, and you ask them, what is the attitude? What, 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 what is going on here? And they say, well, you... And you're like, what? Wait, wait, slow down. I When? Do you remember when you... Yes, I remember that conversation. And you said... And, and you're like, well, 
that's not what I meant. That's, that's not what I meant. But you've defined something the wrong way. You took some, well, you said so and so, and they say, well, I, that's not what I said. I said such and such. You're like, well, that's not what I heard. Well, that's the way you define it. So all of this came out of something that was just defined many times the wrong way. Words. It, they're, they're interesting in how they, how they affect us. And when we apply the wrong definition or intention of a word in the context that it's being used, everything gets messed up from that point forward. It just gets messed up. And so when I, when I use words like temporary, permanent, anybody want to tell me what those words are? You don't have to define them, but what are they? They're opposite. They have opposite meanings. Temporary, permanent. They do not mean the same thing. They mean something completely different. And if we're not careful, we'll take words and define them a certain way when that was not the intention at all in that word being used in a specific Context. So now that I have your attention, I, I, want to, I want to say that getting them confused, getting words confused can cause us some misery and grief in certain situations that we would never have faced had those words not been defined the wrong way or misappropriated in our life, or applied in a way that did not fit. Let me read to you what Paul said to Timothy in the second chapter, uh, or the second, second Timothy, the first chapter, verse number 8 and 9. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he said to him, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. He said, Timothy... I don't want you to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Now, we all can probably find our, ourselves in this place. Somewhere in our life, we came to God and there was embarrassment about now the testimony that we were supposed to be given. People confronted us. People asked us. People said, I noticed something different about, about you. Uh, you, you. You weren't with us last weekend. Where did you go last Sunday? And all of a sudden, we, ha we have to grapple with this. Do I just come forward with the testimony of the Lord that something's happening in my life? Or do I shy away and change the subject? He said, Timothy... Don't be, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. He's talking to this young man. And he said, and I don't want you to be ashamed of me, his prisoner. Have you ever been around people that you were just, you wanted to be at a little bit of a distance from them because they were fanatical? I grew up in the home of one. I grew up in the home of a fanatic, R.L. Mitchell. And I happened to be named after him. I can promise you there were more times than one or two or three or a half a dozen that I, I, just, I just left, just walked out of the restaurant, just, just got away from the conversation because he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ and was not ashamed to let anyone anywhere know that I'm a prisoner. Now... 
Just because you're happy about being in that state doesn't mean everybody else in your family or world is. <laughs> and so Paul's telling Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord nor of me, his prisoner. Okay? But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He said, Timothy, what you need to do is not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord and of me being his prisoner, and you need to jump on board and be a partaker of the affliction. Because sometimes we can view the testimony of the Lord and being a prisoner to Him as an affliction. We're different from everyone else. We act different, talk different. And so we can get to the place that we say, this is my burden, this is my affliction, this is my, my lot in life, this is my cross, this is what I'm carrying. And he said, Timothy, if you're ever going to be what I believe you can become, then you cannot be ashamed of the testimony and you cannot be ashamed of me. And in fact, you have to jump on board and be a partaker yourself of the affliction. If me being a prisoner to him looks like an affliction, you need to be a prisoner of him. If the are you hearing me today? He's saying, "Timothy, who hath saved us, you need to be a partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, of the one who saved us. We would not even be saved if it were not for him and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, not because we deserve this, not because we earn this or somehow uh, we got to this place of approval because of our actions. He said, but according to his own purpose and grace. It's not because of who you are or what you've done. It's because of his purpose and his grace in your life that you had nothing to do with that He chose for you. And I love this, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Before you even had a chance to act right, He already had a purpose for your life. Before you even came to a place of, 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 of submitting your life to a certain lifestyle and way of living, there was grace for you that He already made. So when you think about your purpose, then you should be inspired to face whatever you have to face because you know this affliction that has come, there's a purpose behind it. So being a part of something challenging or facing something challenging like afflictions, that's only possible when your purpose is realized. You ought to give your neighbor a high five. If you don't know your purpose, then you will question everything going on in your life. If you don't know your purpose, you will, you will question and second guess Every storm that comes into your life, we'll just call it affliction. You, you, you put that however it fits in your context. So if I know my purpose, then the storm that has come into my life, 
I can hold on through the affliction, through the storm, through the issues because I know my purpose. And this is what Paul was telling Timothy. He had a purpose for you before you were ever born. So you're not chosen here and apart because you earned this. It's because He chose you. And because of that purpose, you can face whatever's in front of you. All right, then he, uh, he writes to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse number 1 and down through 4. I love the transition that's happened here, okay? So you got to remember what we were just talking about, and now as we read this, it will make more sense. He said, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. He said, when I could not go forward, Paul is saying, I came to the thought and I just realized that it would be good if I just stay in Athens alone. And sent Timothy, our brother, and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you Concerning your faith. I love what's happening here. Because he calls Timothy out in the writing saying, you need to quit being embarrassed about all this and you need to jump on board and become a taker. And as soon as you do, you'll, you, you realize your purpose. You can make it through whatever goes. And now, that goes on in your life. And now he's talking to another group of people entirely. And he said to them, I couldn't make the trip to where you are. So what I did was I picked out one of my co-laborers. I picked out someone that's on the same page with me. I picked out someone that was no longer embarrassed and no longer ashamed and now has become a partaker himself. And I sent him to you to establish you. Oh, I love it. Because when you realize your purpose and you start weathering those afflictions in your life, it won't be long and God will start using you to make a difference in someone else's life. He said, I'm sending Timothy to you to establish you and to comfort you and to do what he can to help you concerning your faith. When just in the previous writing... Timothy is having a problem with his faith. But somehow, when he realizes his purpose and he steps into this, afflictions and whatever comes my way, then God elevates him to a place where he can be used to bless other people. Then he goes on to say this, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. Same thing he just addressed with Timothy. Now he's addressing with this group of people. And he's saying, and I'll unpack it for you. Timothy, the reason we're embarrassed of the gospel, of the testimony of the Lord, the reason we're sometimes apprehensive about the prisoner of God is because we know what the prisoner and the testimony cost you. And we know the suffering and we know the agitation and we know the attack and we're not always willing to go through what they went through so I could walk away and distance myself from my father because I did not want to go through the hell he went through. Can I just get plain with you? Can I just talk to you? Because this is what happens. You mean that's what it requires? That's what, that's what a prisoner looks like? I don't want to do that. 
I don't, I don't want to face that. I, I, I don't want to have to encounter. I don't want to live my life like that. I, I don't want to be that, that, that end of And so he's saying that no man should be moved by these afflictions. You're moved when you're embarrassed. You're moved away when you're apprehensive about becoming that prisoner of the Lord. He said those are afflictions that we look at in our lives. We pay a price for the testimony that we have. And he said, but if you come to this place and get to where he's trying to lead them to you will not be moved by the affliction so the affliction comes in your life but it does not move you from the Lord the affliction shows up but it does not cause you to throw your hands up in the air and say I don't want anything to do with it you look at the storm and say I know my purpose and if this is what God has for me this will not destroy me this will not cause me to backslide this will not run me away if anything this will tie me closer to him he said that no man should be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves or yourselves know that we are appointed unto what we're we're what yes he picked you out and he appointed you to that storm He appointed me to that affliction. And He didn't do it because He wanted to kill me or cause me to be moved. He appointed it to me because He wanted me to realize even more my purpose. This is awesome. I I love the Word of God. For verily when we were with you, He said, when I was there, we told you before. He said, I told you before. That we should suffer tribulation. Well, I thought when I came to God, came to the church, I'd never have another trial, another storm, another setback, another problem. Wrong. Read the rest of the Bible. He said, I told you that suffering would come, that you were appointed to certain afflictions. It would happen even as it came to pass. And ye know this, he said. Let me remind you, I told you, but I'm sending Timothy to encourage your faith. I'm sending Timothy to comfort you. I'm sending Timothy to establish you, but please don't get it wrong. Trouble comes in all of our lives. And no one can... Just escape that. It is a reality. And so trials come, challenges arise, but what we've been appointed to should not move our faith away from God no matter how difficult it is. Whatever you're going through right now, let pastor encourage you. Hold on, because God would have never allowed it to come into your life if He thought it would destroy you or move you. It is supposed to cause you to be even stronger and deeply rooted and founded in the purpose and the grace that He has for your life. Don't run away when things get tough. Hold on and know that God is behind it and He's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. So i got to read more. This, this is going to come together for you in a moment. 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse number 1. I'll go all the way down through verse number 10. We then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. 
the potential of that boggles my mind. And it would take me more than one Sunday to try to explain it all. That we could actually take the grace of God in vain. That the grace of God comes to us and we treat it as though it has no real bearing in our life. He said, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in a day of salvation. Have I secured thee? Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Watch this. But in all things, but in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report, good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Paul is explaining here what it's like in his life to be that prisoner and the testimony of Jesus Christ that he has faced everything imaginable. And he says, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and in affliction. See, here's here's just what I have to tell you about those ten verses. The proof of who you are will be revealed in your struggles. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. We We are approving ourselves as ministers of God. We're approving who we are in much patience and in affliction. So if you're going through a storm right now, in that storm that you're in, there is potential to prove who you really are. I'll tell you who I am. I have the grace and the purpose of God in my life and I refuse to let anything move me away from that. I may not like the storm, accept the storm, agree with the storm, be thrilled about the storm, but I'm not going to let the storm destroy me. I'm going to use the storm or affliction to be the proof of who I am in God. That I'm not my own. I I didn't earn this. He chose me. And I'm only thankful for the grace of God that when I should have never been a He called me close. He made me who I am today. Come on, somebody, and shout amen. The proof comes in the struggle. The proof of who you are doesn't come in the victories only. It comes in the struggle. You hold on when the rain is falling. You hold on when the sky is dark. You hold on when the pain is severe. You hold on when abandonment is there. You hold on when loss is there. You hold on when pressure is there. You hold on when stress is there. You hold on saying, I'm a child of God and I will not be dislodged. I will not be removed. I will be not be cast away. I'm holding on in this. Others counted you out, but God had confidence in you. Are you hearing me? When others counted you out, He had confidence in you. 
Hold on and let God have His perfect work and way in your life. Amen. 2 Timothy, I go back there. The fourth chapter, 2 Timothy 4, verse number 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. He's telling Timothy, preach the Word. Be instant in season when you feel good but you're okay not to do it when you don't feel good. You just just do it in season, out of season. He's saying, Timothy, when you understand your purpose, you refuse to let the situation or season stop you He said, so be instant in season and out of season. (laughs) When everything's going your direction and everything's going away from you, when everything is building you up and everything's tearing you down, he said, whatever season is, you be ready. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And here it is again. But watch thou in all things. Endure. Said Timothy, preach. The attack will come. The loss will come. People will go another way. Some will refuse to keep going. And he said, but as far as I'm concerned with you and what you need to do, he said, but watch thou in all things. Keep your eyes open when the storm starts brewing and realize you will have to endure some afflictions, but endure them. Go through them. Don't avoid them. Don't run from them. Don't quit in the middle of them. Endure them. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. And listen, I want to say, I want to say this. It may take longer than you thought to get through. When he said endure, he didn't say endure 30 minutes, endure three days, endure three months. He just said endure. Be, remember, because all the words that we define, that definition will come out to its purest form in the context that we use it. And in the context of your life, endure for some maybe three months and it may be 30 months for somebody else. But he said, endure. Endure affliction. It may take longer than what you thought and it may feel more severe than is even imaginable. But hang on. Because God is not finished yet. (laughs) Hang on. Because God is not through yet. Do we like them? No, but I've been appointed to it. Am I willingly accepting it? Not always, but I know better than to run from it. I just say, okay, God, if this is what you want and this is where I am, then I have to trust you with the situation. In the, in the previous chapter of 2 Timothy 3, verse number 10, down through 14, he said, but thou hast fully known. I love this, the way he just kind of turns it to help Timothy uh, really grasp what he was communicating. He said, Timothy, you have fully known my doctrine." He said, there isn't one thing about the doctrine that is hidden from you. And he, then he explains, or, or, and he pulls in other things, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. He said, you know, you know every detail of all of this about my life because none of it has been hidden from you. And he said, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. And then he turns and he said, you even know my persecutions. 
You know every time that I've been beaten and I've been maligned and all these things have happened. He said, the afflictions that have come to me, you are aware of all of these, which came unto me. He said they happened in Antioch and I went to Iconium and I thought I could get away and they were there and then I went on to Lystra and thought that maybe if I got to Lystra I'd have no more storm and they were there. He just he named all three places here and he said, I had storms there, I had storms there, I had storms there. I had persecution there, I had persecution there, I had persecution there. I had struggles there, I had attack there, I had affliction there. Here's what people think. I can run to another place and all of a sudden it's going to be different. He said, but you know, Timothy, I faced all this stuff everywhere I went. I couldn't. Does anybody know T-R-O-U-B-L. You can't get away from it. Trouble follows you. It just seems like it's, he just keeps choosing you. <laughs> he oh, I'm feeling better. And he said, but I choose you again. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be chosen again. Can I just get a break for a little while? Well, I think you're doing so well with all this. I'll choose you again. Sometimes I just want to do bad so he doesn't keep picking me. You know, it's like in school. You answer the questions. They keep asking you the questions. And you're like, I don't want to answer all the questions. So then you just act dumb sometimes. It's like, I don't know, two plus two. I wouldn't have any idea. Yeah, just like, I don't know. That's, sometimes we feel that way with God. We're like, God, can you just like overlook me for a little while? That, he said, Timothy, you know all this stuff that has happened everywhere I've gone. And, but, but I love this. What persecutions I endured. I had them. But I endured them. Please see that. You may keep running into stuff, but the key is endure it if you keep running into it. Don't just say, i got to find a place where there's no more appointments of affliction. Well, then you need to die. The only thing about dying is if you don't die the right way, then you'll have to face this verse. It has been appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. (laughs) Don't we love that verse out of Hebrews? So not only do we have appointment with affliction, appointment with this and that, he said, I made an appointment for you to die. And when you die and you think it's all over, then you'll get to face what you did on earth, judgment. Oh God, help me to realize. He said, I endured every bit of it. Wherever it came from, wherever it was, whatever place. I love this next phrase. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, I faced it. Yes, I went through it. Yes, I was attacked. Yes, it happened in my life. Yes, I was afflicted. Yes, I was persecuted. Yes, this happened over and over. But can I tell you, Timothy, the Lord brought me out of every one of those storms. The Lord delivered me out of every setback. 
The Lord delivered me out of every challenge. The Lord, just as sure as I was in Antioch, so was he. Hallelujah. Just as sure as I was in Iconium, so was he. Just as sure as I was in Lystra, so was he. Just as sure as you sat across the desk from the doctor and he said it was cancer, God was sitting there saying, I can heal this, I can do this, I can fix this. There is nothing too hard for our God. Paul said, Timothy, remember that God delivered. Because I endured, He delivered. If you want to be delivered, then endure. Quit, quit. Because I quit, He delivered me. No, because I quit, He started me over. Man, I don't even have time to unpack all of that. But I preached that for (laughs) way over 30 years. Okay, I might as well tell you. (laughs) You're going to get it anyways. (laughs) The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say, yea, though I take a step in and quit. Or yea, though I get halfway through and I keep fasting and praying and begging God and twisting His arm to deliver me. And He finally says, okay. You know, my dad used to twist my arm and hold me down. and Say uncle, say calf rope. I don't even know where those things came from. But I said uncle and calf rope so many times that uh, that was release. You know, I don't know, whatever it was. That just means let go. And so I grew up and said, calf rope. You know, like, okay. We weren't even raised near cows. We lived in Texas, but what did I... <laughs> Kafra, that we do that to God. Delivery, I can't take it anymore. God, right now it must end. And he put me in a valley for a purpose to go through it, and I'm begging him to get me out of it. Here's what I've always found. If he gets you out of it, he always takes you back to the start and says, okay, when you're ready, you can face it. And if you're not ready today, then maybe a year or two from now. But there was something to be learned in this. And I don't just pass you to the next grade. I just don't move you forward to the next spiritual level. you got to learn something here. And so when you think you can trust me enough that I'll get you through it, then we'll face it again. But let me give you some temporary relief right now and put you back here to square one. It's not like, you ever play the game sorry? And you hit that one deal, and you got to go. It doesn't happen that way. In fact, it's the other way. When you hit the eject button, he goes, there you go. All right, we'll face it again later. Because here's what I found with him. As quickly as he delivers you out and takes you to start over, he can also take you through it that quickly. So my prayer isn't always, God, just help me to escape out of this. My prayer many times is, God, bring me through this. Because at the moment, the very same God can take you quickly through it If you just say, God, help me to learn whatever it is I need to learn right now. Help me to realize whatever it is I need to realize. Let me get this and internalize this and accept this and put it in my life and start walking it out. Because when I do, God will just move me to the next place that He has for me. I don't want to keep trying to learn the same lessons over and over. Anybody else? I don't want to repeat the grade, repeat the grade, repeat the grade. If anything, I want to go to the next level because I know He can give me the ability and the power power to accomplish that if I will trust him so that part of it is free he said he got me out yay and all that we will live godly he said anybody that will live godly 
You'll do this in Christ Jesus. You will suffer persecution. So don't think this is pastor preaching doomsday message on. He just wants us all to go through hell. No, that's not what I'm saying. He said if you're going to live godly for the Lord, then get ready, you'll be persecuted. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou, when it happens, continue thou in the things which which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. If I'm in a storm, I learn that he's with me in the storm. If I'm facing an attack, I've learned that he's with me in the attack. And if he's with me, he'll bring me through it. If I'll endure the affliction, I've learned this, so I'm not going to quit when things start going wrong. So as sure and as visible as the setbacks are in your life, so let the answers and the outcomes of your life become. So here, 30 seconds. We do a lot of talking about our problems, our afflictions, our storms, our struggles. And we do very little talking about how He delivered us out of them. And He's saying, if you're going to talk about what you've been through, please don't forget to start talking about what He did when you were going through it. Start start talking about how God kept you, how God wouldn't let you be. Uh, The devil tried to kill you, but he didn't win. Start telling people, yes, it was hard. Yes, it was tough. Yes, we were under. Yes, I was questioning. I didn't know if I could make it, but God secured me. God held me. God kept me. God empowered me. God blessed me. God loved me. God helped me. I want you to understand there is a God that worked for you when all of that was going on in your life. Okay, I got to quickly, quickly close here. A friend of mine wrote, and I read his words. He said, speaking of our adversary, he will lie to you about your marriage, trying to pit spouse against spouse any way he can. He will lie to you about other people and try to make you embrace assumptions and believe things that were not true or even real. He will also lie to you about God. He wants you to give up on the promises of God. He wants you to buy into the idea that your challenge will last forever and the difficulties you have and are experiencing will define the rest of your life devil is a liar. Do you remember when I said those words? You, you guys have to understand that most of the things that I say, I say on purpose. <laughs> most. Not all. <laughs> I just had a flashback of something I said in the pulpit one time that was not good. But anyway, <laughs> temporary and permanent. See, this is what the enemy does. Your affliction is permanent. And you will always be right there, defined by that your entire life. But it was just temporary. And we defined it as permanent. That's what the devil wants us to do. Because over here, permanent means it's going to last forever. It's, your struggle is not a permanent situation. 
So quit taking the permanent definition and applying it to a temporary situation. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Whatever you've been through, God still loves you. That purpose that was spoken about you before the world was ever created is still in your life right now. That temporary situation did not uproot the purpose of God out of your life or remove the grace of God extended to you. You remember when I said I'd love to preach about taking it in vain? We take the grace of God in vain when we start applying permanence to temporary situations. Oh, the devil is a liar. I said, the devil is a liar. It's not defining the rest of my life. It's not defining my forever. It was a temporary situation. And God has something bigger. And God has something better. Amen. Hear the words. Hear the words again. Appointed. Purposed. Endured. Assured. Delivered, accepted, approved, established, partaker, renewed. In every one of those verses that said storm, persecution, afflicted, blah, 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 was one of these words. And you have to choose which one you're going to believe. Ah, you can believe persecuted forever, never going to succeed, it's over for me. Or I can say, I've been appointed to this, but it's not lasting forever because He has delivered me out of all of my situation. I'm facing some things right now, but it's not going to be like this forever because He has assured me. I am accepted. I am a partaker of something. God is on my side. It's the same, it's the same thing, and I gotta close right here. Don't be confused about the power that certain words can hold over you. And I just read that one portion we started with for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. We take, we take moment and we apply permanence. This is just for a moment. God delivered me out of them all. This, please don't take a momentary struggle and, and, and create a permanent situation. The adversary wants to play these word games with you. And as sure as we have mentioned all of those words previous, we also have this word moment. And I hold on to it for a moment to say the afflictions are temporary. The storm is temporary. The struggle is temporary. The challenge is temporary. The key is enduring, holding on, not being moved following after Him. Don't, this is what God spoke to me. And I just share it with you and I'm done. Don't make something permanent out of a temporary situation. Let's stand.